Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Tonight, I want to invite you. I want to invite you not just to sit. I want to invite you to hear God speak. I want to invite you not just to be a spectator, but to be a participant in the work of God. I love watching uh, from the sidelines, but I love more being in the game. And some of y'all need to get in the game. Tonight, God wants to speak, and we're going to be looking at a passage in the book of Hebrews. Who here has been going on uh, Thursday nights? We're going through the book of Hebrews, right? So I'm going to take a portion of what Pastor Chet shared last week to encourage us in our faith. But I do have to clear something up. So last week, I did announcements, and I used this word, and Pastor Chet was making fun of me. Anyone know what the word I was using? I said, what's up? What's crack-a-lacking, right? Just in case you don't know what that is, it's just like, what's up, what's going on, you know. I encourage you to use that. Use that word, right? So anyway, so crack landing, if you didn't hear it, praise God, you didn't hear it. But if you did hear it, it just means what's up, what's going on, all of that. So tonight we're going to be Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. The title is Hang On and Get Close. Hang on to Jesus and get close to Jesus. Really, tonight, that's what we want to talk about. And I don't know where you're standing and where you're at in your relationship with God, but I do know this, you're here. If anyone has an ear, let them Guess what? You guys got ears? I pray that you would hear what God has for us today. And so as we look at this passage, I believe Jesus inviting us all to hang in with him, hang on to his word, and to get close to to the master. This is what it says, verse 14 through 16. Seeing then that you have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. It says, Jesus, the son of God, let us lay hold, uh, let us lay, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are. Yet without sin, verse 16, let us therefore come boldly. Let me read that again. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. I'm going to say mercy. mercy. And find grace. I'm going to say grace, grace. To help in my time of need. Let's pray. Father God, we need your mercy. We need your grace. We are needy people. And God, we think we need this, we think we need that, we need you, Jesus. So forgive us when we chase and pursue the things of this world that never satisfy. But God, help us to pursue you in all that we do. While we're on this earth, God, we want to live our lives for you. So God, we come tonight desiring to be touched. We come tonight desiring to hear your still, small voice. God, would you drown out all the noises of the world, all the noises of telling us who to be when you've already told us who we are in Christ. So God, thank you for this time. Thank you for those that you've brought here tonight. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus and all of God's children said, amen, amen. Amen. So as we've been going through the book of Hebrews, most of you guys know that the book of Hebrews was written to a group of individuals, believers in the first century, who were followers of Judaism, and they now have converted, now they are followers of Jesus Christ. But there's a couple of things going on, as we've been talking about. Uh, we are in a day and age where people are just deconstructing their faith. Basically, this is their faith, and they're piecing it, piecing it, piecing it, trying to make sense of it all, when the Bible is pretty simple. It says what it says, and we do what it says. Amen? Amen. If a child... Let me ask you this. If a child can understand the Bible, can't everybody else understand? So we have, we're living in a day and age where people are taking the word of God and having it fit into their lives versus their life fitting into the word of God. 
And so tonight we want to take a look at a couple things of why these believers wanted to go back. They wanted to go back to tradition and rituals, the temple, when they already had Jesus. Pastor Chet has been reiterating, Jesus is better than rituals. Jesus is better than incense. Jesus is better than candles. Jesus is better. Can you all say that? Jesus is better. Actually, Jesus is the best. (laughs) That should be. Can we say that? Jesus is the best. I mean, there ain't nothing compared to Jesus. And so they were leaving their relationship with Christ for security in religion. One of the first reasons I think they were receiving pressure The system was saying, why did you leave? Their family, they're in conflict with their family, right? They're all Jews, and all of a sudden, one of them converts to be follower of Jesus. How many of y'all like that? How many of y'all understand that? You left your former faith to come to follow Jesus, and your family is like, what's going on? This is your culture. This is who we are. Why did you deviate? The early church, these believers were experiencing that. They're experienced people giving, pressuring them to stick with the religion. The other thing I think that happened also was religion is tangible. You can see it. You can smell it, right? There is a temple. There is a high priest. There is Jerusalem. There is a sacrifice. There is a sacrifice animal. There is blood. The sights and sounds of religion. And with God, he's the invisible God. And it was hard for them to understand that and convey that to other people. Religion brought them security and comfort. They wanted to go back. Y'all remember the Israelites in Exodus? How many years were they in the wilderness? Forty long years, right? And while they're there, they complain. Oh, we're hungry. God gives them manna. Ooh, we want some meat. God gives them quail, right? Oh, it's hot. He puts a cloud. Oh, we need light. He puts a fire, complaining back and forth. And they complained. And they says, life is better back in Egypt. We got fish, got cucumbers, cilantro, all this kind of stuff, right? They had it all there. And they wanted to go back. They wanted to go back to Egypt, to Egypt, to Egypt. Wanted to go back to Egypt? I don't think so, right? And so as they came into this place, they realize Jesus is the answer. And so we're looking at these individuals who are leaving the faith. Today, there are many people leaving the church. When Pastor Jason was here, he talked about a population in the church who has left and hasn't come back. And some of that population is seeking something tangible. Statues and relics and cathedrals. It makes it seem like we're in the presence of God. Can I tell you all, God is omnipresent. He's not contained in the building. He's not in a statue. Jesus Christ, my living hope. So as we look at a couple things in here, I pray, and and I'm going to say this, maybe some of you here tonight, you're a little tempted to go back. You're a little tempted like, man, back in the day, There was no problems, right? If I just stick with my religion I grew up with, my parents, my family won't ask, why are you always at church, right? If I'm having a difficulty relating to people that God is real, when you can't see him, you can't prove the reality of Jesus Christ, there is division in your family, you're thinking to yourself, it's a lonely road, I'm abandoned, I'm isolated. Nobody understands And you begin to second guess, is Jesus really enough? I mean, if all these, if I'm going through all these things, is Jesus enough? Because it feels like he can't be. Church, can I tell you, he is enough. In our humanity, we want to gravitate towards things that are visible. Things that I can touch. Things that I can see, right? Seeing is believing. But first you got to believe and then you see. I think we get that backwards, right? God, give me a sign. God gives you a sign. God, give me another sign. He gives you another sign. God, give me another sign. God, that's enough, right? You know, God's like, because why? Any parents in the house? Any parents in the house? Do you give your children everything they want? You know, 
<laughs> but what happens once you give them a little bit, what? They want a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, right? There is some point in time where you have to say, you're going need to need to learn for yourself. And maybe you've been asking and asking, and God says, I need you to learn of me. I want you to learn from me. Religion is empty. And as I look at this, the author of Hebrews, he wants to encourage those that are departing from Christianity, following Jesus. He says, don't go back to your old way of life. Don't drift. Don't backslide. Stay away. Don't harden your hearts. Refuse to become callous or cold. Don't go back there. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. We're going to read this together. Everyone got that? On the count of three, one, two, three. But without faith, it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11.6. Okay, I didn't hear everybody, so I'm going to watch you now. I'm going to call you out, and you can stand up here and do it. So let's hear it. Oh, everyone's going to say it now. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, okay. I'm looking. Hebrews 11, 6. You can't walk and please God without faith. We try to do it. If you're a self-sufficient person, you do it on your own, right? You don't need anyone's help. Can I just tell you, walking by faith is challenging, is it not? But that's what makes it faith. Following Jesus through pressure and doubt requires faith. These believers were facing pressure, as we all do. These believers were experiencing doubt, as we do. Faith is required. That's what gets us through the tough moments, isn't it? That's how we get to the next season in our life. And so as I understand this, as we look at what is going to help us, I pray tonight that you would hang on to your faith. That though there be pressure, though there be doubts, you don't allow the things of the world to creep in and take your faith away. It says there, verse 14 of Hebrews chapter 4, seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Let us hold fast. So the book of Hebrews chapter 2, it introduces the idea of a great high priest. About four or five chapters of the book of Hebrews talks, a little, talks about that. And almost many religions, pagan religions, they required a priest. Because a priest would be the mediator, the go-between, the common man and God. The priest would speak on behalf. He would be the representative, the ambassador. And when you had a priest in variety of religions, there's a sense of security. He must hear from God, and then you believe him. A priest was there to stand in the gap between God and man. And as we understand the role of the high priest for Judaism, the role of the high priest would ensure the covenant of God through animal sacrifices, a sacrificial system, uh, understanding that sacrifices cover sins. And the highest function they would have is the Day of Atonement. And the Day of Atonement, where they would uh, slain, they would sacrifice a lamb, they would take the blood, and they would sprinkle it on the Ark of the Covenant. And the high priest would enter in. And the thing with the high priest, if he had any sin or blemishes, anything was wrong with it, he'd be dead. So he had to be pure. Sinful man, holy God. And he would enter in, he would sprinkle the blood, and that would cover the Day of Atonement, right? That whole idea that this sacrifice covered the people of Israel. I'm sure there was a bit of fear, trepidation as he entered in. It was almost like he didn't linger in the presence of God and the Holy of Holies. He came, did his deed, and he left. But our high priest, his name is Jesus. Our high priest didn't need to make a sacrifice for himself. 
He was a sacrifice. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Can I get amen, right? He took it. And this high priest is not just a high priest. He is the high priest, Jesus. He passed through the heavens, the atmosphere, the planets, heaven, not just once a year, once and for all. When he was on the cross, he said, it is finished. No need for a sacrifice any longer. And that's given us access, the ability to have a relationship with God, right? John 1.18 says, no one has seen God, but declares him because he has been with them. This is a reference to Jesus. No one's seen God, but Jesus has been with God. See, if I want a mediator, I want someone who knows the one I'm trying to speak to, right? So in the same way for each of us, I want to know that my mediator, Jesus, is the only one. I think sometimes we try to, and maybe you've been in a situation where we had to mediate between this person and this person, and you know what I'm talking about? These two people ain't getting along, so guess what? You jump in the mix, you try to, you try to uh, collaborate and bring unity, and this person, well, she did this, and then da-da-da, and you go back to the other, well, she said that you did this. Oh, yeah? Then tell her I said this, and you go back and forth. And I don't know about you, but it gets jumbled, doesn't it? And you're all, can you all just talk to each other? Well, guess what? We can go directly to God. We can go directly to God with whatever is going on in our lives. And tonight, I said, I want to invite you to something. Tonight, I want to invite you to this. Because we have a high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, Son of God, let us hold fast of our confession. The first invitation, I'm going to invite you, let us hold fast, let us hang on, to our confession, to our faith, to our profession of who we are in Christ. That word to hold fast in the, it's in, in the, uh, in the Greek, kratejo, means to use strength, to seize, to obtain, to retain. That's what it means. It means to grab a hold of. Church, hang on to what you know. Because the world's going to want to take it away. We're living in a day and age where the world wants to pick at your Christianity and your faith and to say that God's not real. Can I tell you, church, God is real. And God is in our lives. And he's doing a work in and through us. We need to hold fast. In 2 Samuel chapter 23, it's talking about David's mighty men. And one of the guys, his name is Eleazar. And I'll read to you what it says about him. doesn't say much, but it says this. He arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary. He attacked until his hand got tired. And the Bible says, and his hand stuck to the sword. Check this out. His hand stuck to the sword. This is the result. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. Victory did not come from his strength. Victory did not come from his expertise as a warrior. Victory came from he held the sword. The sword of the spirit is the word of You will get victory when you can hang on to this. That's where victory comes from. That's where we find joy and peace. That's where we find rest. And I'm sure his grip was like none other. Anyone here remember the first time you rode a roller coaster? Remember, however, whatever age you are. On the count of three, tell me what age you are you rode a roller coaster. One, two, three, go. Tell me what age. Okay. How many here, you never want to ride a roller coaster, right? But the first time you grip it, do you grip it softly? Like, oh, here we go. How many of you gripped it so hard you see your knuckles turn white, right? That, because you're scared. But you know, for whatever reason, I don't know why, the strong, if I held it really, really tightly, I'm not going to be scared. That's what we thought, right? Your grip, the things you grip on in your life tells everyone about your life. What are you holding fast to in your life? And it doesn't have to be bad. Be good. Family, profession, popularity, your status. How many likes? What are you gripping onto right now? The author of Hebrews, 
Hold fast to your confession. Your confession is the word of God. Your confession is your testimony. Your confession is your faith. Are you holding on to your faith? Or are you holding on to everything else? Romans 10, uh, 9 through 10 says, If we declare with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that Christ raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if your heart you believe and justified is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Faith in your heart is connected to your profession of faith. In the book of Joshua, Joshua led the Israelites into the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. And though there were a lot of battles, there were giants, there were trials, he gets to chapter 23. And I want to read to you what he says. He says, unless you go among these nations, these who remain among you, you shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them or bow down to them. Joshua said, you've been seeing God's faithfulness. Don't give in to the world. Don't be like the world. Don't sound like the world. Stay away from the world. But he says this, but you shall hold fast to the Lord. You shall hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. What he's saying is, you've been holding on to God for a long time. And though there's other gods, there's other loves, there's all these other things, don't let go. I think a lot of times, there's a lot of things vying for our attention, isn't there? There's a lot of things that are attracting our eyes. There's a lot of things that are causing us to drift. Joshua said, hold fast the Lord your God as you've been doing. Chapter 24 of Joshua is Joshua's farewell address. Very famous words. As for me and my house, I don't believe he could say that unless he said, I'm going to hold fast. You can't make a statement like, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord unless you're holding fast to the Lord. Church, are you holding fast to the Lord? So you can say, as for me, and my house, and my kids, and my family. As for us, we will serve the Lord. It's a real bold statement. And I I want to encourage you and ask, can you say that? Let us hold fast the word of God, the principles, the commands, right? Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Can I ask you, church, What you've been holding to guide you in this life? What's been guiding you? Because if it's not the word of God, you're being misdirected. You're heading down a road you should not go. Why does a road that leads to destruction? Be very careful. Careful to understand what God is saying. In Espanol, cuidado, right? Be careful. Be careful of the deceitfulness of your heart. Be careful of the temptations of the enemy. Be careful of the attractions of this evil world. It's easy to get trapped. Billy Graham makes this quote. He says, Christians who are strong in their faith grow as they accept whatever God allows into their lives. Let me read that again. Christians who are strong in their faith, remember, faith is a key word here, grow as they accept whatever God allows into their lives. This week I had a conversation with a woman and she was sharing with me, I got my results and it's not good. It's cancer. And she's standing there. She has this undeniable smile, joy. She said, when the doctor was telling me, I could not shake off the smile. I go, why was it? Because I know my God's in control. If God has allowed it, if God has allowed it, I'm going to walk through it. What has God allowed in your life that he's saying, I want you to walk it out? I'm not going to save you. I'm going to give you my spirit. I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you mercy. But you're going to need to walk it out. Parents, when your children were learning to walk, they had to do it on their own. Right? In the beginning, you held their hand. Oh, take your first step. Bam, right? Take your next step, and they fall, right? And what happens? They get back up again. Church, 
It's time to stop walking. Time to start walking with your God. To hold on to the faith that God has given you. Those who endure to the end will be saved. And I think there's parts of us, you might be getting tired. Man, Lord, these trials, whew, it's tough. As Rob mentioned, it's been an interesting week. And I love it. Your definition of interesting is different from my <laughs> definition of interesting, right? I don't know what you've been through, but I'll tell you this. God's been there. And he's been speaking to you. And he's been trying to get your attention. Confession is found in the word of God. Hebrews chapter 10. It says, let us hold fast of the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Do you guys believe that? He who made his promises that are yes and amen, he is faithful. He's never going to let you down. He never will let you down. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. Without wavering. I don't know about you, but I do a lot of wavering sometimes, right? I use this term. Some of you guys have heard me. I have a roller coaster life. You guys know what I'm talking about? It goes up, it goes down. It goes up, it goes down, right? And sometimes it's contingent on my emotions, right? Nobody here is emotional, right? Nobody here ever reacts to certain things in life, right? None of us. You're just like, ooh, calmado, right? Just like super calm, peaceful, Right? No, right. <laughs> We're not. Sometimes we have an interesting roller coastery week and we get rocked by the small and the big things of life. I used to be a high school teacher at Long Beach Wilson. Long Beach Wilson, right? So, um, and I used to have what's called a zero period, which means it started at 6.45 in the morning. And I would drive on Pacific Coast Highway. If you're familiar with that area, I think it's Alamitos, MLK, and Atlantic. There's a, a record store called VIP Records. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay. So anyway, if you don't, that's okay. Don't go in that neighborhood. No joking. But, <laughs> but I was driving. So it's like 6.15 early in the morning. I'm driving. And there will always be this woman this abuelita, like she's stand there and she's holding something, right? And I would drive by, look at her, think nothing of it. Next day, she's still there, think nothing of it. Third day, she's there and she's holding something. Well, one day, I tried to take a glance. I tried to get in the lane closest to the bus stop where she was waiting. And I saw, la Biblia, la palabra de Dios, right? The Bible, the word of God. I was like, oh, she's a Christian, and you know you have those moments, you see them, oh, praise the Lord, right? And you're driving, what does the Holy Spirit say? Go back. So I do a U-turn, go back, and I go with my Spanglish. <sighs> Buenos dias. Mi nombre es Dennis. You know, I'm just like, oh, hermana Alejandra. Oh, como esta, right? You know, mucho gusto. And in, in my broken Spanish, I understand that she's on her way to work. And I said, I noticed, I'm like, I noticed, you know, I'm like, I noticed your Bible, right? La Biblia. And I said, oh, si, verdad. And when you don't know what to, how to respond, si, si, claro, verdad, si, si. I'm doing that whole time. I'm gathering. She's on her way to work. But she said, la Biblia, muy importante. It's important. And, and I have to tell you, the way she would hold her Bible was not just like, a, wasn't like this, wasn't like this. It was like this. It's like, you can beat me down. You can kick me. I ain't letting go. She was holding fast to her faith and the word of God. I'm going to ask you a question. How, how tightly are you holding on to your faith and the word of God? Is it like this? Is it like this? Or is it like this? Because that determines where you're at with God. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith, of our hope. Verse 15 says this. Let us, um, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are without sin. 
The New Living Translation says this, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. Jesus sympathizes and understands temptation, but he doesn't sympathize or understand sin because our God is sinless. He is perfect in all his ways. And I love how the writer of Hebrews documents the deity but the compassion in the humanity of Jesus. Jesus cannot sympathize with our sin, but he understands the temptations that we face. Jesus knows what it is to be tempted, right? We're familiar in the Gospels. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. He was fasting and he was tempted by, the, by Satan, right? And you read that as like, oh yeah, yeah, Turn this, piece, piece, turn this stone to a piece of bread. Jump off from the pinnacle. Like, he's offering these things. But then I was like, wow, yeah. He gets that temptation. But part of me is like, well, what about, what about when I get depressed? Well, what about when, when things happen in my life? I don't know what to do. And the Lord led me to Isaiah 53. It says this. He is despised and rejected. Y'all ever feel despised and rejected? Jesus understands. He says, a man of sorrows. Anyone here been sorrowful, sad? Jesus knows. And acquainted with grief. Anyone here walking through grief? Jesus knows. And it goes on. He carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. There he goes. He was wounded for our transgressions. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. Here we go, church. And by his stripes, we are healed. Jesus battled against sin, but was never marked or touched by it. We can think that Jesus doesn't know, but he faced temptation. I'm going to say this. Because there was no sin within him, He didn't understand the pull that we have, right? Let me tell you this. I hate to tell all y'all, y'all sinners. (laughs) Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a sinner. You're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. All of us, right? We're all sinners, amen. So why do I say that? Because sometimes we act like we don't sin because we're looking at everybody else and their sin. Don't forget where you came from. We're sinners saved by grace. And this high priest understands our weaknesses. He understands our flaws. So much in the Garden of Gethsemane, you guys remember? He was in anguish. He was praying, Father, if it be your will, take this cup from me. Not my will, but your will be done. And he was such anguish, he was bleeding sweats of blood. Oh yeah, he experienced But can I tell you, church, he endured triumphantly. He was victorious. There's no one like our God. And every form of testing that man can endure, he endured. In his humanity, he sympathizes us. In his deity, in his divinity, he helps us. He gets us. And I don't know about you, but sometimes we think that how could God understand? You all know the image, him hanging on the cross. And what does he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Let that be a sobering thought. Because Jesus saw the soldiers. Jesus saw the people. Jesus saw the people that were with him. And I'm going to keep it real. I was telling a group, we had a class, and he said, man, Jesus, he's, he's my hero. And I go, and I'm thinking, they spat on him. They spit on him. If that was me, I would spit back, right? I would triple spit, right? You know, you can do something to me. I'm going to do it even more, right? Come on, y'all. You would do that, right? So, and I just love that because it reminds me that's why he's God. Church, sometimes we forget we're only Christians because of Jesus Christ. 
It's not our own merits, not how well you do church, not how long your prayer is, not how many verses you memorize, not even church attendance. By his stripes, we are healed. Verse 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in help, to help in time of need. Another version says, Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive mercy, his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. The first invitation for you tonight is hold on. Hang on to the word. Hang on to your confession. Hang on to your faith. The second one is this. And I love it. The writer of Hebrews, he's saying, let us. He's not saying you. He's saying, let us. He's including himself. He says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Let us approach. Let us draw near. Because Jesus was a high priest that passed through the heavens who can sympathize with our weaknesses That's why we can approach his throne of grace. Because of Jesus, there's no longer separation. Because of Jesus, who paid the price, because there was no way for sinful us to get to a holy God. Jesus stood in the the space between God the Father and us. Our sins separated us from God But because of Jesus, he was a substitution. He was the sacrifice. He was the only one who could pay the price. His one-time sacrifice was enough. So why do I forget that? Because of Jesus, there's no more gap. I can have a right relationship with him because of what he's done for me in the cross. And that's why we can get close. We can come boldly with confidence. Not not because we can bring a sacrifice to him, not because we can show him what we've done, but because of his grace, because of his merit, because of his sacrifice. And it's no longer a place of judgment for us, but rather it's where we receive forgiveness and mercy and grace. Ephesians 2.18 says, For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. We have access. You may work at a job that has, and you have a key, but has limited access. You know what I'm talking about, right? Or you have uh, uh, access to certain parts of your home or a variety of things. I love this. Because of Jesus, we have access to all the rooms. Nothing is off limits. So anyone here have like a favorite dessert or anything like that? You know, I think I've told you this before. My family knows this. Every time they go to 7-Eleven, they get me the carrot cake that's in the refrigerator section. Have you ever had it? It's bomb. I don't know why. It's probably no good for you, but it's the best, right? My family, oh, the ice, the white ice. Oh, you know, right? So my family knows, like, don't touch this, Right? It's mine. It's off limits. Because of Jesus, there's nothing off limits. Even on your worst day, when you're shaking your fists at God, he goes, I know. On the best day, when you're worshiping with all your heart, I know. Church, he's given us free access to life and godliness and abundant life. Have you given him free access to your life? Is there something you're keeping from God? Is there something that's hidden to the side that nobody knows? That he's been knocking? Can you let me in there? Uh, Jesus is kind of a mess right now. He's like, I know. Uh, Jesus, I got some dirty laundry there and just a bunch of stuff. I know. Let Let me open it up when I'm ready. When it's fixed up. You know Jesus knows it's messed up. That's why he's knocking. He's there to clean it up. You got to give Jesus access in order, in order for him to clean up our mess. We had a baptism on Sunday and 113 people got baptized. Amazing, right? And I love it. Yeah, praise God. And I love it because 
For many of them, they said, God, you didn't have access to parts of my life, but as I am dunked in the water, I surrender. This, this verse, let us come boldly to the throne of grace, I think it's important for us to understand because in order to approach him, I got to give him me. I got to give him access. He's given me access to heaven, right? So when you receive Christ, you say yes to Jesus. Your sins are forgiven. You are now a believer. Now you have the hope of heaven. And God says, now I want to work on some things in your life. But I love this. It says, let us approach, let us come near boldly, not hesitantly, but courageously. God wants us to approach him boldly as a child who approaches a parent, right? If you have children, your, your, your children have free access to you, don't they? They ask you all kinds of things, right? How many of you have children or when they were younger, you would go to the store and they'd be in the toy section, what do the children always say? Can I? Can you buy this? My response, you got money? I don't know how you're going to buy that, right? We never have to be hesitant coming to God. It says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Ephesians 3.12 says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence Faith in him. We can get close to God. Um, I grew up in a religion. And in this religion, um, there were traditions and, and signs and rituals. And I held to this belief. But for me, God was always far away. God was never close. And there were certain people who had access to God, but I didn't. He didn't know me. I didn't know him. He didn't understand what I was going through. And I kept my distance from God. Anyone feel me on this? I had him at arm's length. I have to say this. I had a long distance relationship with God. Anyone here ever had a long distance relationship? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you had a long distance. Okay. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. If you've ever had a long distance relationship, okay. Out of that, how many got married to your long distance relationship? Wow, pretty good, pretty good, right? I wasn't that successful, okay? <laughs> and I was thinking, why is that? So I, had, I was like, I need to find it. I need some answers. Why do long-distance relationships not work out? So I asked the expert. I went to the internet, okay? So, because everything on the internet is real, right? You know, it's true. But I, I found it interesting, but it said, why don't long-term relationships work? One of the reasons, lack of physical closeness, lack of communication, lack of trust, which leads to jealousy. True, right? If out of sight, out of mind, you don't know what's going on. If you're not talking on a regular basis. Another reason is different expectations. They're not on the same page. Their dreams, their goals, their professions were different. Another reason why there was no growth. It was stagnant. It was indecisive. They were functioning and maintaining, but not maturing. And the one I thought of was one of the reasons why it didn't work. It cost staying in touch. Driving and gas and flights. The old term, no, no money, no honey, right? <laughs> like, you didn't communicate if you couldn't afford it, right? And I started thinking about why do I have a long-distance relationship with God, right? What, what, what are the downfalls in that when I keep God? Number one, I have no connection to him. I ask you, are you feeling a lack of connection with God tonight because you've been keeping him at arm's distance? Or is it more your expectation? It's not his way, but it's my way. So if I don't talk to God, then he's not going to tell me what to do. The other thing is, hey, I'm not growing, right? It's stagnant. We're just functioning. If we're not willing to put in the effort, like praying and read the Bible, you can never get to know your God. And finally, there's a cost. There's a sacrifice. 
Luke 9, 23, right? Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. There's a cost involved in following Jesus. Is anyone of you in a long-term relationship with God? And he's wanting to draw close, wanting to draw near, right? Can I tell you that he has something but the best for you? See, we can approach him boldly because of this throne of grace. This throne of grace was a way to worship him. This throne of grace was a place to receive mercy. And mercy is withholding what you deserve. And grace is getting what you don't deserve. And this throne of grace, the Greek, the charis, the favor, right? Having a place of forgiveness, a spot of salvation. This is the beauty of the throne of grace. I'm no longer an enemy of God. I'm family. I can call him Abba, Father, Daddy. That's how tight my relationship is with God. But if you're in a long-distance relationship, he's just an acquaintance. He's just someone on the side. He's just someone I call when I need something, right? This throne of grace, and I love it. Everyone is welcome. God wholeheartedly welcomes everyone who's willing to come. For those of you that have accepted Christ, you have said yes to Jesus, and you were before on the outside, the outer courts, and guess what? You're in the holy of holies. You're in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ now. And as I begin to think more and more, God, I want to be in that spot all the time. I want to encourage you. We're having a worship night on Sunday night. If you've never been to a worship night, I'm going to encourage you. How, you guys, how many of you guys have been to a worship night here? Okay. There ain't nothing like it because everything fades away because they turn down the lights. No, but everything <laughs> literally fades away, right? But you have this moment where you're concentrated and fixated and so focused on Jesus that the things of the world will grow strangely dim. That's how we walk through life, isn't it? It's when we allow the things to creep in and to crowd, that's when we get stressed. That's when we get frustrated. But when we allow the things of the world to grow strangely dim, we get a bit boggled. We get a bit uh, perturbed, right? I want to end with this story. And I believe PC Pastor Chet shared on this. <clears throat> and it's out of Mark chapter 5. So let's go ahead and turn there real quick. Mark chapter 5. <coughs> Excuse me. Mark chapter 5. And all of us know, if you've been in church for a while, it's a very famous story. The woman with the issue of blood. And we're starting at verse 25. Mark 5, 25. And I just want to focus on something that this woman does. Because as I was studying, as I was reading, let us approach, let us come boldly into the throne room of grace. And I was saying, God, give me an example of what that looks like. Show me someone in the Bible who did it. I believe this woman did. Mark 5.25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garments. For she said, if if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. If you have a pen or a highlighter, highlight verse 28. We're going to focus on that. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she fell in her body and she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him and turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But the disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. This is what Jesus said. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. As I was reading through this, verse 28 got me. For she said, 
If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. You got to get the scene here. Remember Jairus getting Jesus' attention to go heal his daughter who's 12 years old. And this woman with the issue of blood, the Bible says she's been struggling. She spent all her money. Actually, is getting worse. She's desperate. She doesn't know what to do. And she hears, the Bible says she heard about Jesus. She heard a rumor. Hey, do you hear about Jesus? He's healing people. Hey, do you hear about the demon-possessed man? Hey, do you hear about the people who can see? Now they can see, right? She's hearing this. She makes her way. There's a huge crowd. And I'm sure she's thinking, how am I going to get to Jesus? And verse 28, this is her. And I, and I love this. It's her speaking to herself. If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. The hem of his garment, some, some versions say, which is the bottom of his clothes, right? His robe. And I think, I don't know how, how long or short the robe was, but it wasn't like this. It was more like this. And I wonder, guys, I wonder if she's like, okay, I'm just going to stick my hand and hopefully I touch it, right? And when she just reaches to grab the hem of his garment and maybe she's putting all her strength, all her livelihood, all that's within her and she's like, bam. And what does the Bible said? The flow of her blood dried up. No mas. Um, there's something in this. If only if I touch, that's faith. Beginning of our study, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Not walking by sight, by walking by faith. You better believe it was a step of faith for her to touch the hem of garment. Because I would have been like, what if it doesn't work? What if I keep doing this and nothing happens? That's where faith is required. And when he looks around, he says, power came out of me. Who touched me? Who was that? Jesus knew. And she falls down before him. She tells him what happened. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Tonight, your faith will make you well. Maybe you've been tempted to go back to your old lifestyle, your old religion, what you're comfortable with. Maybe you've been drawn back by a variety of things and you're doing what's comfortable. Hey, I grew up doing this. I'm okay with it. There's no more conflict because if I'm a Christian and I have to explain to everybody else why I'm a Christian and why I'm always at church, it's just easier to be comfortable. True. But you can't be comfortable and be godly at the same time. And some of us just want to be comfortable. And you might be here tonight also thinking, you know, I don't want to cause a vision. My encouragement, my invite to you, hang on. Don't give up. Cling to the word of God. Worship the God of your life, the love of your life. Hold fast to the confession of faith. As we read, maybe you're facing temptation. Maybe it's been an interesting week because you've been failing. Not just in action, but in thought. And the weight of the shame, and it's too much to bear, the defeat, the heaviness of the guilt, and you don't know what to do with it. The sickness of sin, the dirty habits, the overflow of ungodliness is getting to you. And you don't know how to get rid of it. It's been 12 days. It's been 12 months. It's been 12 years. And God may be just saying today, stretch out your hand. Or, tonight you're in a long distance relationship with God. Um, If you're feeling distant from God... He didn't move. You did. How many of us have moved from where we're supposed to be? And you're following him at a distance. You've gotten distracted. You've gotten derailed. 
You want to get out of that long distance relationship? Come back home. Come back to Jesus. See, as we come near and get close to the throne of grace, there we find the presence of God. And you will receive acceptance. You will receive freedom. You will receive peace. One final verse. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Tonight, the heart of just tonight is God knows you. He sympathizes with our weaknesses. And I love that he knows each of us individually. And he knows what to speak to us to get us back in a right relationship with him. And sometimes we allow other relationships to take precedence, to take over, when Jesus is the only one that we need to look to. And so tonight, um, I'm going to go ahead and pray. And I just want us, as we're praying, just search your heart and say, God, where am I at with you? Am I at a distance? Or am I in a place where I want to go back to what's comfortable? Or God, maybe I'm just not where I need to be. And I've allowed the things of the world to creep in and take control of my life. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's through Jesus. It's through Jesus. It's through Jesus. God, we just come tonight and we know where we're at. And you're the only one. We can fool people, but we can never fool you. And so God, as we're here tonight, we're calling upon you. We're asking you, God, we, draw, we desire to draw near to you. Forgive us, God, when we allow things to get in the way of that. And Lord, tonight we just come and ask for your mercy and ask for your grace. We want to come boldly to that throne of grace that we're not ashamed. There's no more guilt. There's no more shame because of you, Jesus. God, I thank you so much for what you've done for us. I thank you, Jesus, that you've brought us in. We are no longer foreigners, but we're family. So I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you, Father, that we can... Walk by faith because it's faith in you and not of ourselves. So I thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done. We ask now, God, that you would just speak to our hearts, that we never want to stop hearing from you, God. So forgive us when we allow the distractions to come in and rob us of the joy. And Lord, today, maybe there's a lack of joy and, and we've given way to the cares of this world, God. We want to be a people who choose you first, who look to you first, God. So Lord, bless this time, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you, God, that while we were still yet sinners, Christ, you died for us. We love you, Lord, and we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. You know, tonight... Amen. Um, I don't know where you're at. And honestly, God knows. But I'm going to ask our prayer team to be up here. And maybe tonight you just need to say, hey, I've been distant from God. Hey, I feel like I'm going back to what I used to do. Hey, I feel as if my faith is wavering. As our prayer team is up here, and I'll say this. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. See, you want to remain prideful? You don't get grace. Part of our walk with the Lord is humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And so tonight, if in your heart you believe there are things in my life, God, I want you to work through, I want you to work out, um, the prayer team will be here. If you even want to pray with the person next to you, feel free to do that. Our response to the word of God, we need to respond to what we hear. Not just be hearers, but be doers of it. And so tonight, family, as the Lord prompts your heart, I want to encourage you. 
if there are things weighing heavy, things going on, you want to hear Jesus say, your faith has made you well. Come on down to receive prayer or turn the person next to you and say prayer. This shall be called a house of prayer. Amen? Amen. Let's continue to worship. And if you need prayer tonight, come on down. Thanks for listening. And we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys and we'll see you next week.